everybody I met, I thought about whether they'd be a good network connection. Every opportunity I had professionally, I thought about whether that would build my skill set. And so when I launched, I had a well-baked plan. My, my plan shifted as many times as my major in college did, but I was definitely thoughtful about it. Expert at helping businesses deploy, manage, and develop the talent that enabled them to succeed, Rebecca Ottinger-Fetter, Dartmouth 96, recognized a need for her to turn those skills inward. Her plan for striking out on her own just took a little more time to mature than she'd originally thought. Find out how sometimes it's the combination of experience, connections, and timing that leads to the impact you're after on the next Roads Taken with me, Leslie Jennings Rowley. I'm here today with Rebecca Ottinger-Fetter, and we're going to talk about managing talent within organizations, but also unleashing your own talents in ways that you think will make you fulfilled. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be here. Rebecca, I ask the same questions of all of my guests at the beginning. Uh, When we were in college, who were you? And when we were getting ready to leave, who did you think you would become? Great questions, Leslie. Um, Who was I in college? So I arrived in college from New Jersey, having mostly grown up in Texas, the daughter of a sociologist and a social worker who had a curiosity for business but knew nothing about it. And so I I came to college to get a good liberal arts education, to play field hockey. That was incredibly important to me at that point in my life. And somewhere along the line, got more focused on planning my next steps to go into business after college. I was a psychology major. When I left college, I went into a management rotation program for an industrial supply company called McMaster Car and did get familiar with business. I was in marketing, distribution, sales, HR for them. But I think that whole journey, I was figuring out who I was. I I changed my major, I think, officially something like seven times in college. I did internships in all different areas. I traveled out of the country for the first time. So I, I arrived kind of wide-eyed and ambitious. And I I left focusing that on business, but not really knowing what that would look like because I didn't know what that meant. Yeah. Yeah. So after that rotation in an industry that probably didn't know anything about, what were the next steps that kind of drew you to find the right focus for you? What I, I describe my twenties is I, I productively stumbled through my twenties. I, um, you know, transferred with that first company from Princeton to Cleveland, back to Princeton. While there, I started night school at Wharton for you know biz- business classes. When I transferred, I lost some credits. I took some classes at Case Western Reserve um, in Cleveland. Transferred back, lost some credits. Eventually, got a scholarship to finish up an executive MBA. So you, you go to school in the summer, take all your major courses for two weeks, have a placement exam. If you place out, you're a bona fide second year student, went back um, and finished my accelerated MBA in a year. My, my family's graduation card to me was congratulations, sweetie. It took you four and a half years to complete your accelerated MBA. <laughs> um, and I had you know three moves between Princeton and Cleveland to do it. And then I went into management consulting, and then I worked at a medical device company and kind of an internal consultant type role. And somewhere in my late 20s, I decided that what I really wanted to do when I grew up was become an HR professional. And I went to work for Bristol-Myers Squibb, where I spent a decade in HR business partner, senior HR business partner, talent management roles, and would absolutely say that's where I grew up professionally and found a love for HR that's led me down the rest of my career path. So what does happen to somebody to make them say, I want to be an HR professional? What is it about that 
line of work that drew you? I think people come into HR for very different reasons. And I think HR is done extremely well in some companies and extremely badly in others. And so I'll answer your question from the lens of where it's done well. Um, For an early career person, you have the opportunity to work across different areas of the business. Um, And so you really see what a, a corporate headquarters might look like, what a manufacturing site might look like, the difference between a finance area and a research area. And so if you're looking for a broad view of a company or broad view of business, it's a great A lot of your enabling functions are, but I I think this was the platform for me. You also have the opportunity to work with leaders who are more senior than you almost your entire career. And so you get a, you know, front row seat to how strategic decisions are made and, and senior leader thought processes. And I think that matures you as a professional if you can keep up with it. And you also have to have confidence to put yourself in those situations and try to keep up with it. And I was lucky to have good sponsors and good clients and um, had the opportunity to to do what I thought was impactful work um, in that setting. And that just grew through the years. Right. And as that grew through the years, so did your family and so did your traveling responsibilities. And so did like life, right? Um, So at some point, you figured you needed to make a bit of a change. Can we talk about that? Absolutely. So I was actually fairly early in Bristol-Myers Squibb where I first thought about launching my own company. So I, when I went there, I had essentially, you know, I, I had a little bit of a story in HR, but essentially no story. Literally a year and a week after I started with Bristol-Myers Squibb, I had my first kid. And I put together a business plan with a Wharton outreach program to launch my own HR consulting company. And I shopped it around to some trusted advisors. And every single person said, you know, Rebecca, we believe in you, but you have a year of experience and you're going to go launch a company. Um, we know why you're doing this, but I'm not sure you've got the network or the, you know, the experience to, to pull it off. And they were 100% right. So I kept working uh, 16 and a half months after we had our first kid, we had our second kid. Um, My husband was in a global role. I was in a global role. Thank goodness we had family close by. That was significant help to us. We had them in daycare as well. We were remodeling a house. We were growing our careers. I mean, it was a a crazy number of years. When my oldest was about, when my oldest was going into kindergarten, I left Bristol-Myers Squibb and I went to Tyco, which was a huge step up. So I was the HR lead for three and a half billion dollar set of global businesses end to end. I had 40 some manufacturing sites. I had a huge HR team under me. I had very, very real responsibilities and I was on the road a hundred thousand miles a year. It was a dream come true professionally Mm -hmm. um, through a lot of my children's elementary school years, but you know, it's, it's, there's a strain on a marriage. I have a great marriage, um, but there, there are years in there that we weren't at our best. I remember when my older son was in second grade, I went to sign up for spring teacher conferences and I couldn't remember his teacher's name. So this is a year where your kid has one teacher. It's the spring and I wasn't attached in a way I needed to be. So in December of 2015, after three and a half years, three years at Tyco, I walked into my boss, the CHRO's office, and I said, listen, I, I, I need to pivot for personal reasons. This is a dream come true job. You've been a great sponsor, but I'm going to regret this later if I don't do this. And he was incredibly supportive. He asked me to stay through a transition period and that he would you know, help me find work on the back end. And he was well-connected and I had a plan. And what I didn't know is that five weeks later, Johnson Control and Tyco would merge. 
And so I I ended up, he knew that was coming, I think. I don't know. And so I ended up staying for another year, but it was, I was off the road. I was working on, you know, merger projects. It was more manageable. And then I launched the same day as, you know, 200 plus executives left. And so all of those executives went to different companies over the next six, nine months. And I had enough connections to many of them that they brought me along. Wow. The other piece of it was, you know, Bristol Myers Squibb, I had a good connection and pharma trades its own talent. So my net, my 10 year network at Bristol Myers Squibb wasn't just at Bristol Myers Squibb anymore. They were all over biotech and large pharma. Um, So those were the two feeder pools to my business. And that's the reason I launched it so I could have more flexibility. I worked hard, but I, I wasn't traveling the same way. And that was the game changer for me. Yeah. And how lucky that as a younger person, a decade earlier, you had actually had the had the gumption to do it, but not the hubris to do it without <laughs> asking people. Right. And and that yes. counsel of you need a network and you need, you know, more years in and and all of that was so true and that you had it on the other end. It makes it seem like it was faded when it happened. Yeah. And it's funny at that point in my life, I'm not sure I asked a lot of people for a lot of advice, but I, I did do it. I did do it right when it mattered. Yeah. Um, the other thing that gave me was the opportunity to look at the world through that lens for a decade. And so everybody I met, I thought about whether they'd be a good network connection. Every opportunity I had professionally, I thought about whether that would build my skill set. And so when I launched, I had a well-baked plan. My, my plan shifted as many times as my major in college did, but I was definitely thoughtful about it. And um, I think each year of this business, it's actually, it's evolved tremendously. I, I you know, four months after I launched, I, I, I pivoted. A year later, I was kind of going in a different direction. So you don't arrive, but I had a thoughtful plan and the core of that stuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so with that, did you find the I mean, that's hard work, launching your own thing, keeping all those connections, doing the work. Did you find that it gave you the balance you were actually seeking? In phases, yes. So the the big difference for me, again, I, I wasn't traveling internationally extensively. Um, I had domestic trips periodically. They were generally overnight, sometimes two nights. And so I was home or at least home in the mornings and the evenings differently. I was fairly good about blocking my time until the kids went to school. And actually through seventh grade, I walked my kids to school every day. Somebody gave me advice along the way of you control your morning better than you can control your evening. And so when we had birthdays, we went out for breakfast because um, I, I wasn't guaranteed that dinner would be a relaxing experience. But but that time walking, the, you know, just being there when the kids woke up, having breakfast, walking them to school, walking the half mile back from school and just clearing my head and then getting started with the day. Now, sometimes there's client meetings or you had to travel or something, but but four out of five mornings, I, ha- I had that time with the kids. And then my parents were with them after school until the evenings. So they had good stability, dedicated people with them. My, my, my my mom and my stepdad um, were, ver- were very good with them and have a tight relationship to this day. So when my teenagers are angry at me and rebelling, they call my parents to complain. Oh. Um, and that feels like a big win. <laughs> yeah. And every few weeks, you just had a break in your schedule. So I'd be very busy with a client deliverable for two, three, six weeks. And then I'd have a week or two where there's just downtime built in where I could schedule doctor's appointments or get camp set up for the summer or you know, run to Target because they had outgrown shoes or I needed, you know, something. And so I just felt like in the cadence of, you know, the months as they rolled by, we had a lot more balance, even if day to day, it didn't always feel that way. Excellent. 
Excellent. And you've been able now to be flexible around your spouse's work and make a little geographic move, and yet you're keeping your business running, which is great. You know, it's interesting. So during my end of my Bristol-Myers Squibb and and all of my Tyco years, and and really my launch year here, Russ, who was a 20-year employee at Princeton Plasma Physics Lab, and which was run by Princeton University and Department of Energy, but had flexibility. You know, they were government time, they were academic time, they weren't um, for-profit business client-facing time uh, schedules. And so when the kids got sick or there was a midday teacher's meeting, he was flexible for 10 years and in some ways held back his career to do it. And so as I pivoted out, it gave him the opportunity to kind of step up and move his career forward. So we, I feel good about that. I feel, I feel like we've supported each other really well professionally. We'll see what happens, but I kind of trust that we'll figure it out. Yeah, it sounds like you have been all along. So we were talking a little bit earlier about impact and that you know that, you know, in these enabling functions, as you called them, within organizations, these organizations can't work without them. They don't get a lot of kind of spotlight shown on HR. That doesn't usually happen, but without it, it would break away. So you know that you're doing impactful work and it impacts actual people and that's great. But but when you start thinking about you know, what is at heart for you? Like, where do you, I know you come from a long line of like activists and, and people. So, so what's on your mind right now? I've done CEO succession. I'm about to launch a leadership series. And so I, I absolutely believe that what I do, if, if it's done well, improves people's lives. I like wake up every morning wondering whether I should be doing something different, not because I don't love what I do, but I look at people like Stacey Abrams, who's a year older than us and has, you know, launched a very effective campaign around fair access for voting, but she just paid off her debts for the first time last year in her mid forties. And I look at the income level and the lifestyle of my family, but have I had that much impact in the world? Yeah, probably not. Right. And so I love what I do. I think I'm decently good at it. I have a loyal client following. It provides me the flexibility, you know, home and professional. When I come back to Princeton in four and a half years, I'd like to be a CHRO in a company. Those companies don't exist out here. So professionally, I'm fulfilled. And I think life is phases, right? But is there a different phase to the story that has a very fundamentally different feel? But when you start thinking about next steps, so if I compare what I'm doing today to your, to your question of kind of what it would look like tomorrow, you know, so I, I take business strategy and I help build a talent strategy that supports making that business strategy come to life. And that, that's planning, that's building processes, that's developing people. I think if you have good alignment between where a company wants to go and where an individual wants to go, it's very, very fulfilling for the individual. And so I believe that there's value add there, that it's fulfilling work. I like what I do. But I'm the daughter of a sociologist and a social worker. My nearly 80-year-old father has been sitting on a street corner in downtown Houston since four days after George Floyd was killed as a one-man protest. And it's, you know... Yes, it's Houston, but it's getting cold there and he has no sign of stopping. I, you know, watch 2020 unfold and regardless of your politics, it's been a tough year for a lot of people. So I do wake up most mornings, you know, in general in my life, but but certainly in the last year asking kind of what my story is going to be or what my legacy is going to be. And I'm not sure that I'm ready to leave what I do professionally, 
But I do hope I hit a phase where I'm doing something that's, you know, more mission driven for a foundation. I I don't know yet what that looks like. Right now, I donate, you know, 5% of my profits to charity. I am on one board. I've been on two nonprofit boards over the last, I don't know, six, eight years. I have nonprofit companies I do consulting work with, some of which I have 15-year relationships with. Um, We've tried to raise our kids with those values, but I'm not sure we've done exactly what we intended there yet. And so I'm not sure where that's going, but it's definitely very real and present, especially now. Yeah. So when you were in college and you knew that, although you didn't understand what it was, business was a future for you. With all of this experience, what might have you said to a younger Rebecca to make your path yeah. kind of more? I think there's there's certainly di- different types of, of people. So, so I look at my husband. He knew from an early age he wanted to be an engineer. He took all the right classes to become an engineer. And he's been an engineer with, you know, purposeful steps along the way. He's now in engineering management. It's been clean. It's been easy. He hasn't done a lot of soul searching, but because I think it was always comfortable for him. But we joke, he's like, I'm glad I didn't meet you early in life because you had to go out there and experience life to figure out what you needed to do, whether it was relationships, whether it's how I spend my time professionally, whether it's how I spend my, you know, my hobbies have evolved. And, and so I think I was someone who needed to take a bunch of classes and, and, and pivot there to figure out what I wanted to do. I think I needed a number of professional experiences. I think I needed relationships. And I think I would have just said to my younger self, be comfortable with that float. You're, you're, you're doing good work in the meantime. There's a purpose to what you're doing. If it takes you four and a half years to get your executive MBA, it's never going to matter later. You've got your MBA um, and you've got the skills and knowledge and connections that came out of that. And so I'm very comfortable now with the uncertainty and the float, if you will. I think I am. I have a lot of things with my parenting I could do better, but I, I do think I'm good with my kids and their explorations in that way. But I wish I had gotten more comfortable with that earlier. Yeah, I think many of us could say the same. Well, I think this, whatever, I like the term float. You're going to float into the next thing, I'm sure, when it's the right time and when you feel like there's purpose to it. I'm just really pleased that you found such a nice way to use all those talents and skills and connections for yourself and your business uh, now. And so thanks so much for sharing the story, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. It was great to reconnect, Leslie. That was Rebecca ottinger Fetter, Principal Consultant at Princeton HR Insight. With extensive experience in HR management roles with global organizations, she now advises clients in a range of industries. Find Rebecca at PrincetonHRInsight.com. Each Monday, we post another full-length interview episode with a classmate of Rebecca's in mind as we walk the road to our 25th college reunion. Join us on the journey by subscribing wherever you access your favorite podcasts or check us out at roadstakenshow.com. Thanks so much for listening. And if you really like what you're hearing, drop us a note at roadstakenshow at gmail.com. And please consider leaving a review on your podcast platform so that other people may find us more easily. Thanks for joining me, Leslie Jennings Rowley, on another Roads Taken. Roads Taken.